Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball, let the ball with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just to be up in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations, got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the cloth, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code. And you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. What's up, Mike? It's good to see you here in the chat. You're here early today. I love to see it. Calvin, happy Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. It is Taco Tuesday. LeBron's favorite day of the week. I wish we had that button. Taco Tuesday. Put that on the list. We need, to, we need to add it on. Shout out to everybody that's watching. Thank you guys for joining us on this beautiful Tuesday. No basketball today. However, there is uh, some hockey on today. My uh, second favorite sport. I'm being facetious, really? obviously. Oh, man. Um, and we have another NBA Finals game tomorrow. We got a busy show for you guys today, so uh, make sure you stay tuned to the end. We're going to briefly talk about the NBA Finals, give a little bit of an update on tomorrow's game and what we think is going to happen, and then we'll do uh, a deep dive into that tomorrow on that show. Uh, we're going to talk about Sharif O'Neal and his uh, eligibility for this year's NBA draft. The Bulls are rumored and Rudy Gobert, and potentially bringing him to the franchise. Calvin's got his Bulls shirt on today, so he's excited to talk about what Gobert can bring to the Chicago Bulls. And then we're going to go back on our uh, our rebuild schedule where we're talking about the Rockets today, the Thunder, the Blazers, and the Sacramento Kings. We're going to go over offseason needs for those teams and what we would do if we were in charge to put them in a position to either make the playoffs next season or have something to at least build off of. So make sure you guys stay tuned for all of that. And then we'll end the show, as always, with Q&A. All right, Calvin. Uh, you ready to dive in here? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Let's talk about the finals. What's up, Steven? Good to see you here. As Steven says, the series is officially tied 1-1 right now and heading back to Boston. It feels like it's been tied 1-1 forever now. It's only been a few days, but... I've gotten a little spoiled here having basketball on every single day or multiple games a day. So it's a little bit drawn out here, but the series is tied 1-1. ESPN is giving, uh, actually, Golden State a 19.5% chance of winning this game. I don't really pay much attention to those percentages. They, they seem to be highly skewed sometimes. They, they are quite weird. Uh, apparently, Boston is favored by three and a half in this game. The over-under is 212 and a half. Iguodala is listed as day-to-day. -day. So is Porter and Peyton. 
and uh, Robert Williams is also. Calvin, any thoughts, updates on Wednesday's game? Uh, I don't think there's really much in terms of updates. You know, both teams are, are back in Boston. That, uh, that's like the biggest update of this series, right, is that it's w- changing from San Francisco to Boston and how will, how will it f- affect both teams. I think things to look for in game three, uh, we've seen so far the stars of both teams play pretty well. I mean, Jason Tatum did not shoot well in game one, but he did have 13 assists. Mm -hmm. He did everything else that his team needed him to do, and then he came back in game two with a much better scoring game, much better shooting game. Um, But the story so far has been about the supporting cast and what they're going to provide. In game one, Boston got huge games from Al Horford, Derek White, Marcus Smart, they end up winning with that big fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. In game two, they were almost non-existent, especially Horford, who went from 26 points in game one to just two yep. in game two. So that right there is a big key for Boston. How much production are they going to get out of those guys? And the same thing can be said for Golden State. Steph has been really, really great. Draymond had a horrible game one. Jordan Poole did not play well in game one. Mm-hmm. Gary Payton didn't play at all in game one. Game two, all of those guys play Peyton only has seven points, but his impact is much greater than that on the defensive end. Poole, it was Jordan Poole again uh, with that big finish to the third quarter, the Poole party. Michael Jordan Everybody Poole. was going crazy. Um, and Draymond was much better. Didn't turn it over as much. He uh, didn't miss as many layups. He got into a few altercations. He was his normal self. So yes. is that going to continue? I expect Boston supporting cast to play better at home. Guys like Grant Williams. Um, and, and those supporting players have definitely mm-hmm. elevated their games at home, and I'm going to take Boston to win game three. Okay, wow. I, I'm also picking Boston. They're at home. I expect them to play much better. Like you said, the role players playing better. Uh, all the talk, I feel like, this whole week has been about Draymond Green, right? <laughs> what he brings to, uh, to Golden State, uh, all his quotes about we've never been beaten whole, and all this stuff, and and they're not going to shoot like that the entire way. But Draymond Green is the guy for me that really needs to keep it under control in in Game 3. We saw him, like you mentioned, get into it with almost everybody in Game 2. I think it was Jalen today. Jalen Rose had a stat showing that uh, Draymond Green got into more altercations with people than he had field goals in Game 2, which is, I mean, Draymond Green, but... Uh, it was pretty interesting, but uh, I don't think he's going to get some of those favorable calls, the favorable refereeing from uh, the Boston fans, Boston crowd. It's you know, it's it's independent referees, but I think the referees kind of feed off of the the feeling of the building, and I think that'll be much different in Boston. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But the key for me in this game is going to be the third quarter. In game one and game two, Golden State outscored Boston in both games in the third quarter. Boston was able to overcome it with a huge fourth quarter in game one. Mm -hmm. But game two, the third quarter is where it really fell apart for Boston. So Boston needs to be very adamant that when they come out of halftime, they need to be aggressive. They need to make shots early. They need to make things difficult on guys like like Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green. Uh, And they need to win the third quarter, in my opinion. That's a great point. The third quarter has been a problem for Boston really all year long, not just in this series or even in the last couple of playoff series. They've struggled with it throughout the course of the season. Yep. 
Yeah, shout out to Progressive G and also Steven. Thank you guys for joining us here in the chat. We appreciate you guys. It's going to be an interesting game, and Calvin and I will dive a little bit deeper on tomorrow's show. So uh, make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Calvin, let's jump a little bit here into the draft real quick, and let's talk about Sharif O'Neal. Uh, you know, Sharif, when, you're, when your dad is Shaquille O'Neal, you've been under a microsco- microscope for a long time. Uh, obviously, Shaq has... Shaq is just a different dude, right? Like, a lot of people, they make the NBA for being athletic, being, you know, this, that. Shaq, for me, is, like, a completely different body type than we've really ever seen in the NBA. Just, like, a a huge dominating force. So you'd expect that maybe a a child of his might have some of these similar characteristics. Sharif is a pretty big dude. Uh, Had some heart issues, which has sidelined him. I think he was eligible for the draft two years ago. Ends up missing it due to uh, some heart issues, has surgery. Uh, seems to be okay now, but your thoughts, Cal? Well, it, it's just a, an interesting story. I, I mean, you not to mention the back story or the history of everything that you just alluded to, the heart issues, his basketball career as a whole is up in jeopardy. Um, able to work his way back into it, transfers from UCLA to LSU, uh, where his dad, of course, played Love Shack University. Well. Yeah, but the the crazy or the weird thing about this story is just that he was mistakenly put on the list of guys that opted out of the draft. Yeah, I, I don't know how that happens, but it did. So they went back. They realized that it was a mistake to include him on that list. He's still only twenty two years old, uh, and they cleared it up just in time before uh, the deadline there to remain in the draft. This guy is not expected to be drafted either. I just want to add that to this, add a caveat here. He is not projected on any mock drafts in the first or second round. But as we've seen, you know, from the Miami Heat are a perfect example. Mm -hmm. He's still working out. He's still making himself available for teams. Um, And, you know, we wish him the best of luck. He, He participated in the NBA's G League Elite Camp last month, which was in Chicago and uh, according to this article, he actually played pretty well, putting up a, a double-double in one of the scrimmages. So, Yeah, it's good to see him at least getting to this point, right? Like being sidelined due to injuries, health concerns, stuff like that is always tough. So overcoming and uh, just being available for this draft is pretty incredible. I, I do expect him to get drafted. Um, it's going to be late in the second round, but I do expect the team to take, you know, a chance on him. Maybe it's him, maybe it's his dad and, and wanting his dad to be present and around the team and some of the young guys. But we saw Kenyon Martin's son get drafted, I think it was two years ago, by the Sacramento Kings, traded to the Houston Rockets late in the second round, has been pretty productive, but it was also uh, not scheduled to be drafted. So last name does definitely help, and uh, I, I'm expecting him to be drafted late. I have no idea what he can bring to an NBA franchise. <laughs> Uh, because yep. of the health concerns and all this stuff. But I, I do expect to hear his name called on draft night. I don't. Uh, I think this guy is definitely headed for, uh, you know, the undrafted waiver wire route, the G League route. Uh, it's going to be a long road, I think, for him to make an NBA roster. And I also got to throw this out there. I've drafted Sharif probably 10 times in NBA 2K. Turned into a pretty incredible player for me. Uh, I think that's for Sharif me. without all the <laughs> <laughs> the health concerns. 
But of course, wh- I wish him the best. Like, all right, moving on again here. Let's talk about your bulls. I'll, I'll let you take the floor here, Cal. All right. Well, you actually sent me this article the other day about a rumor because that's what we're in rumor season in the NBA <laughs> of the Chicago Bulls potentially being interested in acquiring Rudy Gobert through a trade. Um, right now, what most people are saying is that the Bulls would probably offer Nikola Vucevic and another player or two, uh, plus maybe a draft pick or whatever it's going to take in order to get Rudy Gobert. The Stupid initial thought idea. is, well, actually, I'm not so sure. Okay. So I, I realized that I on this very show I <laughs> trashed the idea of Toronto trading for Rudy Gobert not too long ago. But I think we have to look at the difference of the trades. First of all, for the, the Toronto deal, it was rumored or expected that Pascal Siakam and maybe OG Anobi or somebody else would be involved in that deal. The, you're giving up so much, in my opinion, from Toronto's side to get a guy in Gobert who will help you, but mm-hmm. will help you in, in a very limited way for the amount of money that he makes. The Bulls are in a much better position than that if they don't have to give up their best players. Yeah. That's the difference here. The The trade right now, according to this article, is Vucevic and perhaps Patrick Williams, which might make or break the deal, whether the Bulls are willing to give him up or not. Mm-hmm. But there's another deal that they listed in this article, potentially Vucevic, Javante Green, and Kobe White. If the Bulls can make that deal for Rudy Gobert, I'm absolutely doing it. Okay. That still keeps Patrick Williams on this team. That still keeps DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Caruso, and you, you can still possibly re-sign Zach Levine. That team together looks great to me on paper okay. because one of the biggest problems the Bulls had was inside help, rim protection, rebounding, all that stuff. They were forced to play small lineups a lot. Vucevic is not a interior force or a, a rim protector by any means. So I actually like that deal if okay. that's doable i would be hesitant to give up patrick williams as well i think that he's going to take another big step next year has a lot of potential and is a two-way player as well so it's very interesting but if i can somehow get vucevic javante green and kobe white for rudy gobert i'm doing it if i'm the bulls interesting okay i mean from your response to me you said shit when I sent you the article, I figured <laughs> well, you were not thought, on board here. I thought this was going to be like a sign and trade with Zach Levine, or they were going to give up basically the entire okay. roster in order to get him. But after I read that, and I'm thinking, there's no way the Jazz would really do that deal, right? Yeah. But if they will, sign me up. The Bulls need that. They they need something like that to elevate them higher in the Eastern Conference standings. They've got to be a better defensive team. Yeah. They need a, a few things. They need shooting as well. But uh, one of the things that's clear that didn't separate them from the pack here with the rest of these e- Eastern Conference teams, especially in the playoffs, was their interior defense. Yeah. I, I'm rolling with Progressive G here. I think Vucevic is a better I, player than Gobert. Vucevic is a better player than Gobert. I, I never said that. But for what this team, for what the fit Bulls wise. need, Gobert might be a better fit for them than Vucevic. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is really tough for me because yeah, I do think that Vucevic is a better player uh, than Gobert. I I was just looking at last season and the Bulls were, you know, the best team in the East for a while, and 
they dealt with a ton of injuries, COVID outbreaks, stuff like that. I want to see this team come back just how they were last season and see if they can do it again because I really liked what I saw to this team. I, I think that Gobert is overpaid. I think that he could really handicap the Bulls in the long term. But for me, the only thing that really matters is Zach Levine. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to go to yeah. Zach, and I'm going to say, hey, Zach, who would you rather play with, Vucevic or Gobert? If he wants Gobert, I'm making a deal happen. If he wants Vucevic, I'm not touching this deal. But for me, the ultimate thing is Zach Levine and getting him to stay. So if I'm the Bulls, I'm involving him with every single decision. But I'm surprised you like this deal, Calvin. I'm really surprised. I'm kind of surprised too. But yeah. again, it, it's it depends on the deal, right? Like those deals that I saw in there, the Patrick Williams ones. Uh, Patrick Williams one, I'm still not sure about. What yeah. just like it's rumored that the Bulls would be hesitant, maybe to include him in a deal. They were, uh, they chose not to include him in a deal at the trade deadline of last season that would have gotten them Jeremy Grant. Mm -hmm. So that already tells me how much or what they value of him. Yeah. So I agree with the Bulls from that standpoint. But, yeah, Vucevic, Javante Green, and Kobe White for Rudy Gobert, I think that could actually really benefit this team. Okay. Well, the, the Gobert saga will continue, so we will see what and happens. And the money aspect of it is a very good point, that they're committing a ton of money. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the Bulls are in this this mode right now where – they're willing to spend some money. They're, they're they need in the win now, now yeah. mode, absolutely. Yeah, so they are. And don't worry, guys. I'm sure we're going to be talking about Rudy Gobert rumors here for a little while. So maybe we'll even talk about every single team in Rudy Gobert's fit. Not that I want to do that, but uh, <laughs> Rudy Gobert seems to be the new Ben Simmons on this channel. Yeah. So we will see what happens there but surprising you know old dogs uh, learn new tricks calvin <laughs> yeah, and, and while, calvin's yeah. open to rudy gobert playing with the bulls i like it i like it learn something new every single day all right let's jump here into off-season needs we're going to be breaking down the off-season needs for four different teams today uh, all of them are on the bottom of the western conference we're going to start out with the houston rockets then we're going to go into the oklahoma city thunder the Portland Trailblazers, and then my favorite, the Sacramento Kings. I'm rocking the Kings shirt today, Williams and Weber. Uh, let's jump right in here, Calvin. So first off, let's talk about the Houston Rockets. The absolute worst team in the Western Conference, <laughs> 20 wins, 62 losses last year, and uh, that's okay. They have the third pick in this year's NBA draft. Just to real quick give some context as far as the starters go. Currently, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Eric Gordon, Deshaun Tate, and Christian Wood are projected as the Houston Rockets starters. As far as the salary cap goes, John Wall has a $47 million player option. Uh, which I think he has to opt in here in the next, like, two weeks or so. So that'll be pretty interesting. Eric Gordon's locked up for the next two years. Christian Wood has one more year left on his deal. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, Bruno Fernando uh, are both expiring contracts. And then they got a ton of guys on rookie deals. So, Calvin, I want to hear from you. Where, where do the Rockets go this offseason? 
Man, well, all the teams we're going to talk about today with, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the exception maybe of the Sacramento Kings, who at least, thanks to the trade deadline last year, are maybe further down a path than any of these other teams. The other three teams we're going to talk about, they're so... They need so much help. They need so many different things. It's impossible to fix it all in one off season for definitely for Houston and for Oklahoma City, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But let's start with the draft first. This, to me, is is the easiest call for what Houston needs to do in the off season, and that's because they need front court help first. This is a very guard heavy team right now, particularly at point guard, which I'll address in a second. But um, they need some front court help. This draft is, we've all already talked about it, a three-player draft. That's what everybody's saying. And the top three players are all front-court players. Perfect. Now, they're probably going to miss out on the first two guys, Holmgren and Smith, which means it should be a no-brainer for them to take Boncaro at three. Mm-hmm. Very, very skilled offensive player, can fit into what they want to do offensively, get up and down, stretch the floor. I think he can play alongside Christian Wood. Um I would also look to add another center in free agency. This team was dead last in rebounding. So guys that are out there right now, again, these guys aren't going to be like franchise-changing players day day one, but they could really help address a big area of need for this team. Guys like Yusuf Nurkic, who who averaged over, I think, 11 rebounds a game last year, over 8.5 for his career. Kavon Looney is a guy that's going to be a free agent. We've already seen in the postseason how great he is, particularly on the offensive glass. And he's another guy that would allow them to keep playing this small ball lineup like we see the Warriors do with him as well. So there's a a couple guys out there. Bobby Portis is another one that I would look at. I don't know how he would fit necessarily with Christian Wood, but he had a great year last year. So I think it's worth maybe uh, looking into. And DeAndre Ayton, again, should be yeah. on everybody's radar, especially with the reports coming out recently that uh, he seems to have played his last game in Phoenix is what it looks like. So draft Boncaro, look for some center help, particularly to get rebounding help as well. Um, and then the biggest problem for them or the biggest question is what do they do at point guard? Kevin Porter Jr., put up a lot of really good numbers for them last year, but were they empty stats? Does he fit next to Jalen Green? I'm not convinced that he does. He turns the ball over a ton mm-hmm. on the team that turned it over more than any other team in the NBA last year. I think for the past two seasons, he's averaged over three turnovers a game. Um, so it, this is also a guy that shoots 41% from the field. Very inefficient player right now. Doesn't mean he can't get better, but I, I, I'm worried about that long-term fit. And then John Wall is kind of holding them hostage at this point right now. There really isn't much of a trade market for him, A, because of the contract, B, because of the injury problems. Mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook was probably the most talked about trade. I don't see that happening anymore. So if I'm John Wall, I'm not going to miss out on $47 million. If they don't want to restructure my deal, I'm going to opt into that, which definitely puts the Rockets in, a, in an unfavorable situation because now they have this question mark at point guard with a guy that makes an incredible amount of money and is, as you mentioned before we went on air here, only played like 70-something games in the last four years. Yeah, yeah. Or you go with Kevin Porter Jr., who's a turnover machine. Yeah, I think John Wall made it pretty clear that he doesn't want to play for Houston, even if he <laughs> does opt in for this deal. I, I'm actually looking at the John Wall contract as a positive 
for the Rockets. Um, you know, I look at this roster. There's nobody you really have to pay this season or, or going into next season. There's nobody you really have to pay. And I don't think you're going to be competing for a, a title next year at all. So John Wall is not a bad thing. He's basically a $50 million expiring contract for them after next season, which I, I think is great because that could uh, you know position them to where they need to repay uh, Christian Wood if they decide to keep him. Uh, they need to pay Kevin Porter Jr. if they decide to keep him. And uh, Jay Sean Tate as well is also going to be a free agent in 2022-2024. I think they have some good building blocks as far as Christian Wood. I like Jalen Green, and I actually do like Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, the mental thing is a whole different situation and what happened with him in Cleveland and all that stuff, but I think the dude's an absolute baller on the court. And I love to just see these young guys just kind of develop together and see what I actually can get out of them. I think you hit it right on the head there with the draft. Having the third pick is key for them because no matter what, they're going to get a good piece here, whether it's Bonchero, whether it's uh, you know Smith, whether it, it's Holmgren. Like they're going to get a great guy, and all these are positions and needs for them. So I think that's a win-win for them. You mentioned the center position, which, you know, if they draft one of these guys, maybe they'll be solidified between whoever that is and uh, and Christian Wood. Maybe they go in a different direction. This, for me, is actually a sleeper team for Rudy Gobert. <laughs> um, I could potentially see a situation where John Wall is shipped out for Rudy Gobert. I think that could help the Jazz. Maybe they work out a buyout with John Wall. Maybe they facilitate it. A, th- a three-team trade. We've heard the Clippers have been interested in John Wall. So maybe they work out a three-team deal. But I, I could definitely see Rudy Gobert playing on this team next year. And if you were to tell me that they have Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Christian Wood, um, Rudy Gobert, and, and whoever they draft this next year, I think that's a pretty good starting point. Maybe they they are not quite a playoff team Maybe they're fighting for, for a play-in spot. Not quite sure. Uh, but I think that's a great start. This team has a lot of young guys on it. They need to get rid of Eric Gordon. I think it's time. He's making $19.5 million next year. And then uh, a $20 million partially guaranteed deal the year after that. Other than Wall and Gordon, everybody else is on a great contract on this team. And I think yeah. the team is set up very well for I'm, future cap flexibility. I'm curious if you're Houston, how are you going to acquire Gobert? Who, who are you going to offer in that deal? John Wall. You think Utah's doing that deal? I think it'll, it could potentially be a three team deal between the Clippers, the jazz and the Rockets. The Clippers. Yeah. They've been you interested think Wall in Wall is going Wall. to the Clippers. They've, they've been interested in Wall this offseason. And, you know, even if it's just a straight Wall for Go Bear trade, if Utah is, is blowing it up, Wall's an expiring contract after next season. So they basically got rid of, of, of Go Bear's deal and let him off the books and have future cap flexibility yeah. as opposed to paying that guy $50 million for, I think, the next three years he's under contract. Mm-hmm. maybe they can squeeze a draft pick out of Houston. If I'm Houston, I'm not giving up the third pick and wall for Gobert. But yeah. uh, I, I think Houston is a sleeper for Gobert. Yeah, I, yeah, I could see that. I, I wouldn't want uh, – I don't know. I, I don't know how much those the deal really helps either team. I get what you're saying about Utah getting 
some money off their books for two years from now because yeah. they'll lose Gobert and Wall's contract would be expiring. Um, but it it really a Utah, year from now because they're not making the playoffs. Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> or the finals. <laughs> Utah is tough to read though, right? Because they're they're suddenly in this moment of do we blow it up and go full rebuild or are we still trying to compete? Uh, I don't know how much that doing that deal helps them compete right now. So it, it would be interesting to see. And I, yeah, Alfred Sagan is another nice young piece that this team has. Uh, didn't play a ton of games last year. I think they like what they have with him. Um, but again, he's, he's not a bad rebounder, but not an athletic center by any means. A little bit smaller for what the traditional NBA center in today's uh, league looks like. So I still think they need to add some guys that are going to help rebounding. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think we both agree that this team is not competing next year. So they have yeah. maybe two, three-year window to kind of figure out this and rebuild. I don't think it would be a bad thing for them to bring in some veterans that get slotted in the starting lineup and mean that some of these younger guys are still coming off the bench. Jay Sean Tate would be one of those guys who yeah. at one point last year was averaging like 22 a game off the bench for this team. Um, Alfred Sagan would be another one. Maybe a even wing. Even Boncaro, like yeah. I, I don't think there is a likely scenario maybe that he wouldn't end up starting. But I don't necessarily think it's the worst-case scenario if they do have that guy coming off the bench for them, at least to begin the year. I read an article this morning saying Boncaro was the next Kevin Durant. Uh, that could be pretty high-powered offense on this team, having Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, uh, Christian Wood, and Boncaro all on the same squad. Yeah, That could be a lot of fun to watch. Any uh, last comments on the Rockets before we move on? I, my hopes are high for this team. I, I think that they're doing it the right way. I think they have a bright future. It just might take a couple years. Yeah, th they've got a lot of really, really good, young, individual, talented players on this team. The question is how how does it uh, you know extrapolate out in a few years from the team fit standpoint? Jalen Green had a, a phenomenal rookie season, um, but people seem to either be really high on him or really low on him in terms of his – his ultimate ceiling and ultimate potential in the league. A lot of people think maybe he's just a scorer and nothing else, um, or, you know, is going to put up really big numbers on a bad team, stuff like that. I, that's not my opinion necessarily. I think he's incredibly talented. Uh, but it, it does make a huge difference how you build the, the team around him. Yeah. Yeah, I expect Jalen Green to take the Anthony Edwards leap next season oh, wow. and average okay. over 20 points a game and be a very efficient player, but still young, still learning, still oh, making mistakes, yeah. all that stuff. Uh, progressive G's talking about Sagan again. will be a stud in a few years if gets consistent minutes. I, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah, Bamba was another guy that I was considering uh, mentioning here as yeah. well as a potential pair. It's just tough because I, I like Christian Wood a lot. And if you get Banchero and Christian Wood, you're pretty much set in those two guys as far as, like, starters, if you want them both to be your starters. And a team that's this young can afford to throw rookies in as starters, right, because they're not really going anywhere next season. Yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. And the rotations, the starting lineup would be really you, – you'd have decisions to be made there because – 
I, in a perfect world, I think you'd slide Bancaro to the three mm-hmm. and play him Wood and, you know, whether it's Sagan or let's say you end up with Rudy Gobert Go or another center or something like that. The problem with that is Bancaro's biggest knock right now is is defense. And mm-hmm. perimeter defense, I think, would be an even more area, an, an even bigger area of concern. If you're going to play him at the three, that means he's going to be out on the wing guarding a, a bunch of smaller, well, smaller compared to him in some <laughs> instances, guys, and that isn't necessarily the the right fit for him. I think. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Bright future ahead for the Rockets, that's for sure. If you're a Rockets fan, make sure you hit that like button and make sure you subscribe to the channel. We're going to be talking about the Houston Rockets and many other teams this off season. If you have any uh, questions, comments, concerns, or, or any thoughts on what they're going to do this offseason, let us know down below in the comments. All right, Calvin, next up is the Oklahoma City Thunder. This will be an interesting one. <laughs> the Oklahoma City Thunder were the second worst team in the Western Conference last season. 24 wins, 58 losses. But they've been trading for draft picks. They have a ton of them. According to ESPN, the starting lineup or the depth chart currently is SGA as the starting point guard. Josh Giddy is shooting guard. Lou Dort at the small forward. Darius Baisley at the power forward. And Isaiah Roby at the center. Looking here at their salary cap, Derek Favors was just able to opt in on the $10 million contract for next season. SGA starts his max contract next season, uh, the first year at $29 million. And then you have literally a ton of guys here on rookie contracts. Josh Giddy, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm going to skip it. The 20-year-old Alex, I don't know, oh. Trey <laughs> Mann. Pukashevsky, I think. Darius Baisley, Ty Jerome, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Theo Maliodon, Lou Dort, Isaiah Roby, uh, a ton of guys here. Aaron Wiggins. And then you have a, a couple older guys like Mike Muscala. There's a team option for $3.5 million for next season. I think the team will probably pass on that. And then Kenrick Williams partially guaranteed $2 million for next season. Calvin, if you're the GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder, biggest needs this offseason. Also, I forgot to mention they have the number two overall pick. In they this do draft. have the number two pick just like all their 500 million other draft picks, first-round picks, <clears throat> over the next few years. Th- this team, well, in terms of what they need, they need pretty much everything except for whatever position Gilgis Alexander is going to play. <laughs> um, they, they are definitely another team that needs front-court help big time. But the, pr- the problem with trying to predict what OKC is going to do is – guessing what they're going to do with all the draft picks. I mean, the the most common thought right now, right, or common sense thought is you're stacking all those draft picks to make a huge move, whether it's trade up into the draft and get like, you know, two or three top or lottery picks, something like that, or use all those picks to get a premier player in the league right now. Uh, the other part of that question is when do you make that move? This draft, they already have the number two pick, and it's not a it's a top heavy draft. There isn't you know predicted to be a ton of value, you know, in the mid to late first round picks. So 
there's a rumor out there. I, we're skipping ahead here a little bit to the Kings, but there's a rumor out there that the Kings have already made a deal to move into the number two pick. If I was Oklahoma City, I would not move back to four. And here's why. They have the opportunity. It seems to be coming more and more apparent that Jabari Smith is the likely number one pick. That means Chet Holmgren is going to fall to you at two. This is a guy that many people think could be or will be the best player in this draft. And he helps them with a lot of areas of need. They're sures up their front court, great rim protector, a guy that that they can use in space. Um, I think he would play really well with Gilgis Alexander because his skill set is unlike any other seven-footer in this draft. Mm-hmm. So I, I would use that pick on him. I, I wouldn't be trading back to four. If I did trade back, I'd be looking to go get a big-name player, somebody like perhaps Donovan Mitchell or Damian Lillard even. I don't think Damian Lillard is going to be available, but if I'm Oklahoma City, I'm at least calling them Does and he saying – Again, with Gilgis Alexander, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, because Gilgis Alexander, I think can can play both on ball and off ball. Um, so I, I would be. There aren't that many of those types of players that are rumored to be available anyway. Um, so that that would be my first thought here is, how can I use this number two pick to the to my best advantage. And for me, moving down to four is not one of those things. I I would much rather go out and try to get, because if you're looking at who the Kings are going to give up for that number two pick, it's probably people like Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes first and foremost. Or a future pick. Or or a future pick. But again, Oklahoma City's already got a ton of future picks. So Mm -hmm. why does the Kings' future pick this year make that much of a difference for them? In my opinion, it doesn't. I would much rather secure the potentially the best player in this draft or use that pick to get somebody that's going to be, uh, y- you know, in my opinion, someone who's going to help move the, the uh, progress of this franchise along faster than a Harrison Barnes or a Rashawn Holmes or someone of, uh, of le- that caliber. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm definitely keeping the number two pick if I'm Oklahoma City and I'm taking Chet Holmgren. I don't care what anybody offers me. I'm taking him, and I'm building around him and SGA. I do like some of the other young guys, Josh Giddy. I I really love Lou Dort and what they bring to this squad. But this, to me, is is the ultimate NBA 2K rebuild, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you trade Paul George for a million draft picks. You basically cut all your salary, and you have all rookies on this team. You're set to lose, so you get more high draft picks. And I'm just being patient, and I'm sticking with the plan if I'm this team. SGA's, what is the plan, though? I mean, SGA is only 23 years old. Yeah. Yes, he's he's just going into the first year of a max deal, but he's played extremely well. I'm just going to continue to bring young players to this squad, see which ones stand out, and build around them. After the draft's over, and I take Chet Holmgren, if he falls to two, I'm calling the Wizards. I'm asking about Bradley Beal. I'm I'm mixed on on bringing Damian Lillard to this squad, but it, I figure I might as well call Portland and ask them. I'm going to call Utah and I'm going to ask about Donovan Mitchell, and I'm not willing to give up SGA or my number two pick for any of those guys. I have all these future picks. I have a ton of young players. I have cap flexibility and space. If you want to get rid of your superstar, 
send them to me. I'll take extra salary if I need to, but I'm building that way. And if everybody says no, that's fine. I'm sticking with the plan here. I'm building around SGA, Chet Holmgren. I have a ton more draft picks. More superstars will become available next season at the trade deadline, whatever. But if I miss out on one of those guys this offseason, I'm calling Houston, and I'm asking about um, I'm asking about John Wall. I'm calling Utah, and I'm asking about Rudy Gobert. And any of the, these other teams, I'm calling the Lakers, and I'm saying, you guys need help getting rid of a bad contract? I'm your guy. Send me a first-round pick or, or two. So you agree with Progressive and, G here, bring Westbrook back? I mean, I'm, I'm willing to. Um, but Key Kings has a good point. You know, at some point you have to cash in his picks. And I agree with that. But you don't want to rush into anything. Uh, you want people to come to you and be like, I like what you got. We're trying to get, get rid of this guy because he's not happy or doesn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. You want to have the leverage. And I think Oklahoma City has done a great job putting themselves in this position. I think they have a, a patient fan base. And I really think that they have – a second chance at building something that they effed up with KD, Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka. Yeah. And I would say DeAndre Ayton is definitely, you know, in the cards here for me as well. Uh, Again, I need front court players. You talked about guys that are unhappy in their current situations. Oklahoma City can afford to pay DeAndre Ayton. Yep. It seems like a good match, him and, and SGA. So I would definitely be... I'm open to that. On, or all in on him as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely open to that. Th- this team has so many possibilities, but it's just funny. You know, I, I keep saying it, but I look at this roster and I just think NBA 2K all over again. Oh, yeah, Because totally. this is what this we've is done. A, yeah. The, Continuously. The, <laughs> Sam Presti is playing 2K right now. And they have a lot of young players. Like, it, it's crazy looking at this roster. If they move very, on from Derek Favors, if they move on from Mike Muscala, and Kenrick Williams, who's partially guaranteed, then that means the oldest player under contract next season is 24 years old, and that's Ty Jerome. And he's the only 24-year-old, oh, other than Isaiah Roby. There's only two 24-year-olds on this team. Then you have 23-year-olds, 21, 20, 19-year-olds. The sky's the limit for this team. Everyone just needs to be patient, and it's going to take time. This is what Philadelphia wanted to do in my opinion, but failed, but failed. Any last comments here on the Oklahoma City Thunder before we move on? Just a hard, you know, uh, just a hard team to to go about <laughs> what it is you do first here because there's, like you said, there's so many different things they can do. There's so many different things that they need. Um, and they're in a very interesting spot with not only having all the draft picks they have, but having as high as the number two pick in this year's draft, it, it really is, there's one of a million ways that they could go about it. And I think they'd be absolutely crazy to move down in this year's draft. Like, why? It, I don't depends. It. it depends for me. Like, it, if you are able to get Damian Lillard and move from two to seven, that's something that I would be willing to do. Because then at seven, you can still end up possibly with a guy like Shaden Sharp. Uh, mm-hmm. who would be, I think, another good addition to this team and a young option, or a Keegan Murray, maybe even if he falls all the way down there. Um, 
and you're still getting back Damian Lillard in return. Is Portland as opposed really to do moving that? down to four? No, I I agree. Like I don't think that that's a likely deal. But yeah. I'm just talking in you know generalities here. If I did move down, I think there's still places that they that would make sense for them. But four to the Kings from Oklahoma City standpoint doesn't make as much sense to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, and. For me, like like I said, I'm keeping the number two pick. I don't care what people want. If I have so many draft picks, if I'm o- Oklahoma City, if I'm on the phone with Washington and they're like, we want to we wanna trade Bradley Beal to you, we want the number two overall pick, I'm just going to say, no, sorry, number two's not on the board, but I can give you three future first-round picks. I think that outweighs it. And, yeah, there comes a point where you have to cash in some of those picks. Yeah. A number two overall pick, in like three weeks from now or two weeks from now is much more valuable to this team than getting more future picks. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. If you are an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, please hit that like button down below. Please consider subscribing to the channel. Calvin and I will be discussing the Oklahoma City Thunder and many other teams this offseason here uh, on Basketball at the Bar, so make sure you stay tuned for that. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or any ideas or what you think the Thunder should be doing this offseason, let us know down below in the comments. We greatly appreciate it. Okay, Calvin, next up, you were talking about, you mentioned the name, Damian Lillard. So let's dive in here. Let's talk about the Portland Trailblazers. The third worst record in the Western Conference last season, 27 wins, 55 losses. The team uh, completely blew it apart there at the trade deadline, getting rid of C.J. McCollum, uh, trading guys to the Clippers for basically nothing. One of my favorite players in Robert Covington was a casualty for them. Uh, according to ESPN, their starting depth chart right now is Lillard, uh, Simons, Hart, Winslow, and Nurkic. That's obviously going to change with a bunch of these guys coming off the books. But I'm just going to break down the salary cap implications real quick, and then we'll talk about what we can do this offseason to help improve this roster. Damian Lillard, first off, the most important player on this squad, has got three more years uh, left on his max deal, so no worries there. Eric Bledsoe is a partially guaranteed $19 million. You have expiring contracts in Joe Ingles, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, Ben McLemore, and uh, a couple other guys, including free agent Yusuf Nurkic. Josh Hart is under contract for uh, two more seasons. One of those is uh, an option, and both of those are partially guaranteed. Justice Winslow's got one more year, and uh, then there's a bunch of rookie guys on this roster. So, Calvin, I want to hear from you. If you're the GM, the new GM of the Portland Trailblazers, and you potentially have a new owner here coming in pretty soon as well, what's your number one priority this offseason? Well, I look at the Portland Trailblazers a lot differently than I think everybody else does. I I see the writing on the wall for this team. I don't know how much better they're going to get with Damian Lillard unless they're able to to pull off some sort of miraculous deal and and sign uh, Zach Levine and stuff like that in the offseason. They still, you know, have a slim chance, I think, for doing some of that stuff. But Damian Lillard, he is going to be 32 this year. I'm sure he still has a a bunch of, you know, at least three or four more really productive seasons in in him. But I'm looking at where they're at right now, basically scrapping their entire roster except for him. 
And I'm thinking, how quickly can we get back to the point where we're even close to sniffing a Western Conference final before Damian Lillard's 36 or 37 years old? Mm-hmm. I don't know how likely that is. So if I was the GM, I'd trade Damian Lillard. I really would. Okay. I would be looking square at a team like Oklahoma City who could potentially <laughs> give me the second overall pick or three future first-round picks. Um, I'm looking I, – I'm, I'm just exploring all my options. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't believe Portland will want to ultimately trade Lillard. So the flip side of that is how do you get this team back to being a contender quickly? And, again, I, this is another name that has just continued to come up. But I'm looking at DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. They are going to lose Nurkic most likely. They could upgrade that position. I think he would fit well with Damian Lillard. They could pay him what he wants to be paid. Zach Levine is another guy that just ke- his name keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. But I think it. I don't know it, what's more likely. Uh, if I'm Portland, I'm trying to pair Lillard with a, a really solid interior player a guy that can do it on both ends and that's deandre ayton to me so that's my my biggest focus right now is how to get deandre ayton on the portland trailblazers yeah yeah i agree and i obviously they need a lot more uh, outside of that i mean i I like josh hart do i think that he's a starter or a, a starter on a playoff team Maybe. It depends on who else is on the roster. But I, I view him more as like a, a role player, a guy that's going to come off the bench and, and be productive for you. Yep. And Anthony Simons, again, is another question mark for me. He had such a great year last year. He's not the best defender. This is a team that definitely needs to be, get better uh, defensively, perimeter defense, all that stuff. So they're, they're in a very difficult situation because they have this, this guy who's one of the best players not just point guards but players in the nba they want to win now but they need to add so much in order to get there yeah they really do and i forgot to mention they do have the seventh pick in this year's nba draft but i think you're absolutely right calvin damian lillard is the key to this franchise right and i think you need to call him and say hey dame what do you want to happen do you want to stay here Um, because if you want to stay here i'm going to need your help (laughs) building this roster Maybe I get fined for this. Maybe I don't. But I'm calling Damian Lillard. I'm saying, Dame, I need you to call Zach Levine. And I need you to tell Zach Levine to come here to Portland. And I, I think you I think you made a great point there with um, bringing in the big man Aiton from Phoenix. If you want a quick rebuild in Portland, you sign Zach Levine and you make a sign and trade for Aiton. And I think that right there, hopefully you don't have to give up the seventh pick because you could probably add some more talent with that. Maybe you do, um, but you're probably going to lose a guy like Afrini Simons in a sign-and-trade like that, which could potentially work out for Phoenix. They need more guard help, especially when Chris Paul goes down. So maybe a trade like that would work out. But if you had a big three of Lillard, Levine, and Ayton, I think that gives you a great start and get back to the playoffs. And... You mentioned three to four years for Dame. Yeah, I see that. Um, luckily, he's a good shooter. We talked about how shooting ages the best. Um, and I could see him being productive until maybe 35, 36 years old, so right around that four- or five-year window. But if you can't do something like that and bring in two more guys to help create a big three, then I think you're right. You do have to move Lillard and start over. Yeah, I mean, they could easily be in the same 
position as Oklahoma City very quickly if they wanted to, right? Minus like, all the draft picks. Well, no, I mean they could they could acquire a ton of draft picks. Yeah. From not necessarily just OKC, but another team. I I see them being able to make a deal similar to the one that Oklahoma City made when they traded Paul George to the Clippers and and got a king's ransom worth of draft picks in return. That that could be an out for them that would set them up for for the future. Yeah. I'm also going to throw Bradley Beal in here as well because I, I think a guy like Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard have a ton in common in, in terms of like loyalty to their team, and maybe those guys could figure out a way to work it out. Yeah, that, that's the the thing that holds up the idea of trading Lillard, right, is yeah. like – the fan base is so in love with him, not just because he's a great player, but because he has backed the city of Portland. He's maybe had opportunities to leave the team in the past and has chosen to stay with this team. Um, so it would be an unpopular, I think, decision to make in the short term, but it might be the best move for them in the long term. Yeah. Yeah, this team's really tricky. You know, it, it's teetering on that, like, if they have a great offseason and they're able to pick up another star player or two star players, they could be right back into contention next year. And uh, having a guy like Damian Lillard on your team definitely helps that, right? It does. People will want to come play with him. Yeah. Or they just fall off a cliff yeah. and they rocket to the bottom. Funny, rocket. <laughs> they, they rocket to the bottom of the standings below the Rockets if they do trade a guy like Lillard. Yeah. So we'll see what and happens. The free agent class this year is, there are some really good, fine players available, but it's not one of the best ones we've seen in recent mm -hmm. memory, you know, in the last four or five years or whatever. So if you lose out on Zach Levine, if he re-signs with Chicago, yep. uh, if you lose out on DeAndre Ayton, all of a sudden your options are really, really limited. I mean, you could maybe hold out for the, the chance that James Harden doesn't opt in in, in Philadelphia or they I mean that that's what I'm saying though like you yeah. you don't have uh, I don't feel very strongly about this class of free agents outside of like you know three or four guys yeah so you better hit on those guys if you're hoping to rebuild around Lillard otherwise you might have to think about another option and maybe having a guy like Afrini Simons helps you move on from Lillard because you feel like oh maybe I already have this guy's replacement who's nine years younger, doesn't make a ton of money. And if I trade Lillard, I have all the cap space in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of mixed on that teetering point where it's like you keep Lillard, you could have a great offseason, bring in two more guys, make this a very competitive team, or you teeter that other direction where things don't go your way and you're right back at the bottom of the Western Conference standings. I also want to give a shout-out to this Portland team. Uh, what was it, eight consecutive years of making the playoffs? They were the longest mm -hmm. uh, team in the NBA, I think, at that time, which is really incredible. So shout-out to Portland. You guys have uh, a really busy offseason and a complicated one as well. Any last thoughts on Portland before we move on here? Rip City. Rip City. If you are a Blazers fan, make sure you hit that like button down below and make sure you subscribe to the channel. Calvin and I will be discussing the Portland Trail Blazers and many other teams this entire offseason, so make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or any thoughts on what you think the Blazers should do this offseason, let us know down below in the comments. We would greatly appreciate it. Okay, Calvin. 
We're ready. We're here. It's time. <laughs> it's time to go over the Sacramento Kings and what they need to do this offseason to get uh, back to the playoffs. This is a tough one for me because I'm emotionally invested in this squad. But just to start off here, the Kings had the fourth worst record in the Western Conference last season. 30 wins, 52 losses. The ESPN depth chart has Fox at the point guard, Mitchell at the shooting guard, Barnes at the small forward, Trey Lyles starting his power forward, and DeMontis Sabonis at the center position. The Kings do have the fourth pick in this year's NBA draft. They're projected to take Jaden Ivey. And as Calvin mentioned, there's also been rumors that they are trying to actively trade up to number two, or maybe they've already completed a deal that we haven't heard about yet. Teams are not able to trade consecutive draft picks, so maybe they're waiting or something like that until the actual day of the draft for someone to be drafted for them, and then they make a trade. It gets complicated. But before we dive in here on offseason needs, I just want to catch everybody up here as far as salary cap goes. De'Aaron Fox has got four years left on his max deal. He's making $30 million next season. Harrison Barnes is an $18 million expiring contract. Sabonis has got two years left on his deal. Uh, they got a few guys that are expiring in Jeremy Lamb, Josh Jackson, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, who will be a restricted free agent this offseason. Rashawn Holmes has got three years left on his deal. Uh, Justin Holliday's got a year left on his deal. Um, and then you got guys like Mo Harkless, Terrence Davis, <clears throat> Alex Len, and Trey Lyles that all have one year left on their deal. And Davion Mitchell has got three years left because he just completed the first year of his rookie contract. So, Calvin, I want to hear from you. What do the Kings need to do this offseason to make it to the NBA playoffs next year? <laughs> well, unlike the other three teams that we have previously talked about on this show, the Kings are at least more um, built or set in terms of their roster. Like, you know, Portland has all those expiring contracts. They're going to need to bring in a lot of players. Oklahoma City is basically a, a two-player team right now and, and the rest of them are all young guys or two or three players I would get I would say and then they've got a bunch of draft picks so it's uncertain what they do the Kings at least have an outline of what their team is going to look like next year the goal for them as we've said all along and as they've said is upgrading talent on the roster particularly at two positions shooting guard and power forward I would add uh, small forward or wing in general into there because I like Harrison Barnes a lot, but there's a question of whether he's going to be on this team next year to begin with. And behind him, they don't really have much depth at that position. So, best case scenario for them, that deal where they move to number two in the draft is already done, and they take Chet Holmgren number two, or say it's Jabari Smith, depending on who goes one. Um, that, I think, for the draft alone, is their best possible outcome. If they aren't able to move up to number two and they stay at four, I, I've moved off the Jaden Ivey train. I don't think mm -hmm. that that's the right fit for this team. We've seen them go with best available in the past couple of years. It has worked out for them in terms of acquiring talent. They were able to get Sabonis from a deal where they drafted Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell looks like a pretty good player. I think they need to move away from that and go towards best fit. For this at four if they're going to stay there and for me that's Keegan Murray he's a guy that's an interchangeable wing player he could start at power forward he could start at small forward I think he's the most NBA ready player in the draft number one scorer in college last year he can put the ball in the basket do a lot of things really well 
then that leaves you with shooting guard. And that's where it gets a little more complicated or, or a little tougher to decide here for Sacramento. DiVincenzo is a restricted free agent. Most mm-hmm. people are under the impression that they're going to bring him back. Does he start at the two? What do they do with Justin Holiday, who was sort of a failed experiment last year in the second half for the Kings? I think if you were able to dr- move up, draft Chet Holmgren, and have uh, DiVincenzo as your starting shooting guard, that's a great start. What that leaves you with on the bench is the question mark. Where do you fill in the wings? Who are you looking to in free agency? Uh, I'm looking at guys like Victor Oladipo, um, TJ Warren, people that you mm-hmm. might be able – it's a risk to, to sign those guys because of injury concerns. But for the solid starting lineup or the starting lineup that I'm going to throw out there and the potential of having somebody like that off the bench for a reasonable contract, I like that idea. And then the last question mark for me is, who are they going to go with at center? Rashawn Holmes is on this team. We know Sabonis is going to be there. Do they want to play him at center? Would they rather play him at power forward? If it was me, I'd be looking to trade Rashawn Holmes, and I would re-sign Damian Jones. That's the guy that I want coming off the bench at center. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, The biggest question for me is just surrounding this draft because it is coming up here. And we've heard the rumors, the Kings want to trade up to two, but what is that really going to cost? Is that going to cost a pick next year? Is that going to cost potentially a guy in Davion Mitchell? Uh, Which I don't know if I'd be okay with a deal like that. Uh, I I don't see – the Thunder already have a bunch of guards Mm -hmm. and a bunch of young guards. Davion Mitchell might be better than some of the guards they have, but I think you can make this deal and not have it include Davion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be ideal. If I can give up the fourth pick in Rashawn Holmes and move up to two, that is an absolute steal and a win for the Kings. I don't know if that's possible, but if they can make that happen, I think that would be a great way to move forward is to uh, take a guy in Chet Holmgren, uh, have Holmgren, Sabonis, Fox, potentially Barnes, and Dante DiVincenzo. I like that lineup. I think that lineup has a great potential to make it to the playoffs next season. I did uh, call the Kings making the playoffs. I've done it two years in a row. Definitely messed up last year. But I think we finally got our guy coach. And uh, I I like what this team's doing. So I I think they will make the playoffs next season. It's just a matter of what does happen this offseason, what actually happens. Uh, Monty says that he's going to be extremely aggressive, and we've seen that already with – uh, you know, all the rumors about them moving up in the draft. That doesn't even take into consideration free agency and what potentially might happen there. Um, but I think this Kings team has a lot of potential and a lot of different options this offseason. I'm going to throw Harrison Barnes out there. $18 million expiring deal after next season. He has value to a contender. He also has value as an expiring deal. So I could see the Kings potentially moving on from him. Uh, You mentioned Rashawn Holmes. I think he is definitely not going to be on this roster next season. Hopefully the Kings can get some value from him. But I think they need to bring in one more star player. If that's a Bradley Beal or a Zach Levine or one of those guys would be absolutely incredible. But I don't know how realistic that really is. So I I like your your, uh, Victor Oladipo take in bringing in guys like that that maybe have a high upside and and not uh, not so low of a downside. Um, but it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Sacramento Kings, that's for sure, and it all starts with the NBA draft here in just a couple weeks. 
any more thoughts on the Kings? Uh, man, I, I'm just curious to see what they do. Like we've obviously been talking about what they'll do this off season for quite some time. And I still think that the goal for Monty, is, you know, he has his, his eyes on a bigger prize, um, whether it's, you know, somebody like a Pascal Siakam or that's the, the ultimate goal for this team is like you mentioned, another star player or yep. another high impact player that they're going to add to this team. Um, and, I'm really curious to see what the draft holds for them. Yeah. Are they moving up to number two? Are they moving up to number two to use that pick for their own future? Are they going to trade the player that they take for a win-now player, something like that? It's it's very interesting because this team, as we've talked about for a long time, you know, has seemingly been on the cusp of the playoffs and underachieved. You know, how, what are the moves that are going to be made to get them over the hump there, over the over the hill? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And do they trade the pick or do they keep it at four? I, I agree with you. I'm off the Jaden Ivey train completely. Uh, I, I'm taking best it's not, player and it's available. it's not that I don't like Jaden Ivey. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think he is the best player available at yeah. that spot. Um, and I see Key Kings here talking about best player available as well. If you're the Kings, you can't worry about the fit. I disagree with that statement. Not not a hundred percent of the time, but I just feel like the the Kings have done it. Taking best player available has gotten them to this point, and some people think that's a good thing. I see it as being right in the middle. Yes, taking it did end up getting them Sabonis, which is great. But if you just constantly are going with best player available, you run the risk of getting yourself into this like spin cycle system where yeah you're you may not ever be improving you're just taking the best available player to either see if it pray that it works or then we trade them um so i it's a tough tough call but i think keegan murray helps this team and is a really really good player as well so yeah it's tough. It helps man. this team more than Jaden Ivey would, I, I should say. It's tough because you look at guys like Luka Doncic and even Michael Jordan that were passed based on fit, not best player available. Uh, it's it's definitely that's different tough. though. It's I tough. mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? But yep. like, but we're not talking about a Michael Jordan here in, no, in this true. draft. So, yeah, I, I just worry. If you're going to commit to De'Aaron Fox, I worry about bringing in another backcourt running mate, like a guy that that has the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I I do like Dante DiVincenzo. I hope they bring him back. I think the Kings have a great shot at having two All-Stars next season in Fox and Sabonis, and potentially a third one if they're able to trade for a guy like Bradley Beal or Pascal Siakam or one of these other guys, which I think is very, very unlikely, but you got to take a chance. You got to try it. If you are a Kings fan, make sure you hit that like button down below and please hit that subscribe button. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, or you want to let us know what you think about the Kings offseason, let us know down below in the comments. If you're watching this on Royal Rebounds, make sure you check out our other channel, Basketball at the Bar, where we talk about the entire NBA. And if you're here on Basketball at the Bar, make sure you check out Royal Rebounds, which is our Sacramento Kings-only content channel. Thank you guys so much, and uh, we appreciate you guys watching. 
All right, Calvin, we went through a ton of stuff here as far as off-season goes. Let's jump here into Q&A. So if you guys have any questions, we got answers. Please drop your questions here in the chat. We'd love to answer them before we wrap up today's show. Uh, real quick, Cal, Key King says uh, he likes Dyson Daniels and Benedict Matherin. I like both of those guys, and I know you do as well. If you're trading down, which one do you prefer? Uh, I would be happy with either one of them. I've been <clears throat> a big Benedict Matherin fan all year long. Uh, I realized that he's – it's funny to think Dyson Daniels played in the G League, but he probably got less uh, exposure and um, rep, you know, than Benedict Matherin, who played on the number one ranked team in, in college for most of the season. So I, I like both of them, but I would probably prefer Matherin if it came down to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got a little bit like more him. of an NBA ready body. Uh, I, I love his demeanor. I think he's going to be like a, a dead eye uh, or a a really, really consistent scorer. He has the ability to improve, you know, his outside shot and then become really a three level scorer from everywhere. So defensive potential. I think he's got room to grow in that area, but I, I like him a lot. I, I think he's going to be a really solid pro. Progressive G is questioning Mitchell as the starting two guard. I want to hear your thoughts on whether you feel Davion Mitchell could be the starting two guard next season. I, I'm mixed on that. Uh, I mean, I, I love what Davion brings to this team. He is, as everybody knows that watches him, a really, really great defender, and that is something that the Kings need more than perhaps anything else. But I, I don't think that they're going to be the best possible team that they could be if him and Fox are starting together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that. I, I love having Davion Mitchell come off the bench uh, and maybe he does it for another year or two. Maybe he gets traded like Tyrese Halliburton. I'm not really quite sure, um, but the Kings need to continue to add talent. And I think that's what they've done the last two years. So I, I'm excited about, about what they're doing moving forward. All right, any uh, any last questions, guys, before we wrap up the show? Key King says, does Harden accept his player option on June 29th, or does he become an unrestricted free agent? Tough call to make. I, I still have to think that because Daryl Morey is running that team, <clears throat> that Harden is going to be re-signed. <laughs> I, I don't know what the contract value will be, that, I think, is the, the difficult question to answer here because if you give him a max deal, it's he's making something like over $60 million on the last year of his yeah. contract when he's like 37 or 38 or something like that. It's just insane to think about. But I do feel that they will – that he'll be on the, the Sixers next year. So whether that's him accepting the option or, or opting in – or redoing uh, a new contract for him. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, every time you talk about James Harden, you talk about Daryl Morey, right? And it, it's funny, you know, like, I know Daryl Morey from the Houston Rockets. I don't really know much else about him, right? Like, there's, like, the, the China drama and all that stuff. But I, I think it's safe to say that James Harden pretty much made Daryl Morey, right? Like the Morey trade for Harden, 
from Oklahoma City made Maury look like a genius, right? And I feel like Maury has almost, like, chosen his his guy. Like, he's chosen his horse in the race, and he's just going to keep betting on that guy. And it's done well for him so far. He hasn't won a title, but he was able to pick up a guy uh, who ended up turning into a superstar. And I think he's just going to continue to bet on his horse in James Harden, uh, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. I think that James Harden could definitely turn it around if he wanted to. Um, but it's it's kind of like that whole debate, right, that the older players are getting into with the younger players now. And like, what do you care about? You care about Instagram and pictures and tattoos and jewelry and all this stuff. You don't care about basketball anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And then the, the younger players are firing back. It was like, all you cared about was girls and, and all this yeah. stuff. And, <laughs> And all that. So it, it's tough. If James Harden decides that basketball is going to be my number one priority for the next four years, I think he can have an incredible four years and potentially win a title with the Sixers team if him and Embiid play up to what they're capable of. Um, but it's it, it's very, very tough. I do think that Harden and Maury are in discussions, and I think they'll be on the same page whether Harden opts in or opts out and takes a new deal with the Rockets. Or, sorry, the Sixers. <laughs> so I, I expect to see Harden with the Sixers for the foreseeable future, for sure. What's up, Flame Flurry 11 Good to see you here. You got a question? Uh, there are speculations the Kings have moved into the top two, but no information on what we gave up for two or do you think it's a trade that will happen on draft i can tell you just tuned in because calvin i just went over the sacramento kings and we're going to be posting that clip so you can watch that later if you want we're going to be posting on this channel and on royal rebounds but just to kind of cap up what we said there um we're not sure exactly what they're using to move up to two if it was rashawn holmes in the fourth pick for number two i would be ecstatic but i don't know how realistic that is maybe it includes a future first round pick or something like that i'm not quite sure uh teams cannot trade consecutive first round picks so like the kings literally couldn't say i'm trading the fourth pick and the top five protected pick next season because they're consecutive so the way to get around that is they wait till the draft yeah. and they say okay we already agreed to do this deal with you. Oklahoma City is going to draft who the Kings wanted to, and the Kings are going to draft who Oklahoma City wants it for. And then right after that happens, they're going to say, okay, we'll trade next year's pick and who we picked it for for number two. I could definitely see a situation like that happening. But um, I, I just hope they don't give up too much. Yeah, I agree. What do you think it'll be for number two? Uh, I mean, I expect any deal that the Kings are going to make, whether it's for the number two pick or for another win-now player, um, the the first options have got to be Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes, and draft picks. Like, uh, I don't believe the Kings want to give up Davion Mitchell. Maybe yeah. there is a deal out there like if it was Bradley Beal or Donovan Mitchell or something like that where they would consider using including Davion. But at first in a glance or when the negotiations first start, I think that has to be where Monty begins. Yeah. You know, we've got we got Harrison who's on an expiring contract. We've got Rashawn Holmes and we've got 
uh, you know, the number four pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great way to start, but we will see what happens. The draft's coming up in just a couple weeks here. Progressive G says, what do you think the chances of the Kings getting a big name free agent signing is, or even a medium name? Well, big name, probably not very high, right? And There's that, not first that of all, many. that's because there yeah. aren't many big name free agents available. I mean, the biggest names all have player options anyway, be it Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Uh, even John Wall. So then, you know, the the biggest name free agent after that is probably Zach Levine. What are the chances the Kings get him? From the beginning of this process, I've said all along that I don't think they're very high. Then you move to a guy like DeAndre Ayton. I don't know what the realistic chances of, of pulling off a sign-and-trade for him would be. Um, so then we move to what you would consider medium names, um, and I think, again, that depends on, you know, who you, who you think is a medium name or what that means. But that's a much more realistic possibility. And Victor Oladipo is the first name, again, that comes to my mind. He's already been linked to Sacramento. Uh, you could, there's a potential you could get him on a pretty reasonable deal, which is good for a small market team like the Kings. Uh, so, yeah, I think something like that is, is definitely possible. Yeah, big name I think is very, 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 very slim. Um, and that's maybe a DeAndre Ayton, which, I mean, that that could be a sign-and-trade, so I don't know if that's officially classified as a free agent signing. Um, but, yeah, I agree with Calvin. Maybe a medium name is possible, but I think the Kings are really going to do damage in the draft and uh, in the trade market would be my my guess. Do you think we draft Keegan over Ivy? Well, first it depends on if they're picking at four, right? If they've already moved to number two, I don't think they take either of those guys. Yeah. But if they're at four, again, like I said earlier, if it was me, I would take Murray, Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivy. Yeah, just so you guys know, we're going to be going live on Royal Rebounds on Thursday, so we'll be posting that soon, um, and we'll be talking about all this King stuff then as well. Key King says, S.I. reported that Fox, Mitchell, and Sabonis are untouchable. I mean, that sounds good. Don't know how, you know, real that is. And, I mean, honestly. A lot of people reported that um, Hall Tyrese Halliburton was untouchable, too. Yeah. And Again, not saying that they're going to trade any of these guys. but If they're untouchable, is that really the best thing for your team? Because if Portland calls and they're like, hey, we'll trade you straight up Lillard for Fox. What do you think Sacramento is going to say? Yeah, I, I don't know. Right? So, I mean, it's always good to have players that, like, you don't want to trade, but I don't know if untouchable is the best word unless you have, like, a Giannis or one of those guys that is, like, not tradable. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up the show. Thank you guys so much for watching. We appreciate you all. Make sure you guys hit that like button down below. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. You're all untouchable until you're not, as Progressive G says. We appreciate you all for taking the time out of your day to hang out with us. We're going to be pulling some clips out of this video and reposting them on the channel. So if you uh, you know, want to see a specific team rebuild, make sure you click on that video. And as I mentioned, we'll be live on Royal Rebounds this week on Thursday as well. So thank you guys so much for joining. Calvin, any last words? Thanks for watching. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful day. 
Don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow to discuss uh, the game pregame. Um, so make sure you guys have a wonderful day, and don't forget to tip your bartender.